Hey, what's up, guys? Hello, and welcome to episode 51 of the Forward Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Party, and today we're going to be recapping last night's Thursday night football game before previewing the entire weekend slate of game. So let's get on into it. All right, so starting off with last night's game, the Bengals beat the Dolphins by a score of 27-15. Um, I was wrong. I thought the Dolphins would cover and win. Uh, all of that, though, is you got to wonder how the game would have turned out if Tua didn't take that hit. And just, like, prayers up for Tua, man. That, that was very tough to watch him get in that fencing position and seize up like that. Definitely hope the NFL, like, strickens its freaking concussion protocol because clearly he shouldn't have been playing that night um hopefully we don't see anything long term from this but like especially moving on to the football side of things it sucks to give him more because i thought he was having a pretty good season and a pretty good game he did have that one bad underthrow, but other than that he was accurate he was hitting players like right on the numbers multiple times it was He's definitely on an upward trajectory for his career, and it would suck to see it get derailed by this. You also hope that Teddy Bridgewater in the future games does look better, because Bridgewater will be playing in at least one more game. I don't know how long the concussion takes, but like people are just going to riot if uh, Tua plays next week. Uh, he or Teddy was inaccurate. He had some miscommunications. The most notable one was he threw a seam ball when Mike Gesicki was running a post route. Um, yeah, that led to an interception that pretty much closed out the game for the Bengals. But on the Bengals side of the ball, they also did play really well. Um, there was another impressive week by T. Higgins. This was the third straight game where Higgins outreceived Chase. Um, which means that this offense is able to be adaptable and flexible, able to use multiple guys as their number one targets, which is what you want because they're going to game plan to take Chase out of these games a lot of the times because Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver on the team, but he's not the only like high-end quality number one, which T. Higgins is showing he can be right now. So it's really good um, they're getting that production out of their second-round pick from a few years ago. All right, now moving on to the Sunday slate of games. Uh, first off, starting things off with the Sunday morning London extravaganza of the Vikings at the Saints. Vikings being two and a half point favorites. Um, Justin Jefferson versus Marshawn Lattimore. That's the number one matchup I'm watching in this game. Will Jefferson's quiet stretch continue against another good corner? Um, he, whenever he's actually being manned up by corners and not just being zoned out by Green Bay, even though they have Jair Alexander and they could man him up, Justin Jefferson has really been a non-factor in these games. Like, He's a factor as in he's drawing all the attention of the defense, making everything else better, but he's not actually getting the ball and not actually producing. So we'll see if that continues here against the Saints. Next is which Kirk Cousins is going to show up this game. On Island games, light games typically, Kirk has not been good. Like That's, that's the meme about him prime time when all the light's on him. He's not good. However, this is like in the morning. It's not a night game. It's still an island game, though. So it's like, are we going to get 1 p.m. Kirk or why am it's 6.30 a.m. Kirk? Like, how is this version of Kirk Cousins going to look? Is he going to be able to elevate this offense and actually produce some points and help them win this game? And then number three, I have, will this offense of the Saints be able to do anything before the fourth quarter? Uh, James Winston isn't making the flight out, so it looks like Andy Dalton is going to be their quarterback. And also Michael Thomas isn't making the flight. Another huge blow for this offense. So, like, are they, are they going to be able to do anything? That's 
I honestly, like, if Michael Thomas was there, I think that they might actually have better offense. But because he's not, like, it's going to be a very sketchy day, I think, for the Saints. That's why I have the Vikings covering and winning. Then we have the Bills, who are three-point favorites, going on to facing the Baltimore Ravens. So how does Josh Allen and the Bills respond to a tough loss from a week before now going against a really tough team this week again? Um, are they going to have a bounce back game rally and be like, hey, like we know we're better than how we played last week. So let's go out there and show it against the Ravens, who are a top competitor in the AFC and could potentially be a playoff opponent down the line. Secondly, will these Ravens secondary finally have like a good complete game or they're going to continue being only as strong as their weakest league uh, marlon Humphrey and marcus peters had a really strong day last week but their safeties are still kind of up and down like marcus williams is pretty good so far but chuck clark kyle hamilton and then whoever they're rolling out at third corner whether it be Jalen armand davis or whoever else they've got right now um definitely hope that some of those guys start stepping up a bit more going against a good receiving good passing attack in the bills um Josh Allen is going to tear that third corner apart if they have another game like they did last week. Then lastly, can Lamar Jackson continue his tear through NFL defenses like they're nothing going against a good but injured Bills defense? Uh, yeah, this Bills defense is really good, but there's so many injuries in the secondary, and Lamar Jackson is just on fire right now, getting like four touchdowns a game. Um, I don't think he quite has that same production here against the Bills just because they are just so well coached, but like... I also see Lamar Jackson having his way overall just because the Bills are very injured in that secondary right now. However, I still do think that the Bills are able to bounce back after that tough loss and rally around um, Josh Allen and get that win and cover. Then we have the Jags at the Eagles, the Eagles being six and a half point favorites. So this is a big matchup between two up and coming teams and up and coming quarterbacks. Um, well, both of them look legit in this game, or is one going to fold under like the all the pressure of facing an actual like pretty good team? Honestly, I am a bit concerned with the Eagles. They've scored zero points in the second half in back-to-back weeks, but like not that they needed to. But still, it's just kind of like okay, like they didn't score. Like they were just like bleeding the clock, so it's fine. And like they could have like theoretically turned up their aggress- aggressiveness, but yeah, zero points in back-to-back weeks. That's not a Good sign. And then this Jags offensive line has definitely looked better this season, but now it's going against maybe the best defensive line in football right now. Um, are they going to be able to hold up and keep Trevor Lawrence upright or or um, Jordan Davis, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, all these guys, Fletcher Cox, are they just going to get after Trevor Lawrence today? We'll have to see. And then on the opposite side of the ball, how does Josh Allen and this Jags pass rush look going against one of the best lines in the league like the eagles have some of the best line play on both sides of the ball but the um jags have shown to be really strong so far with pass rush but to be fair the commanders the colts and the chargers don't have the best line play so is this like successful jags pass rush based off of that or is it based off of like they're actually good um, also a little side note i noticed there's six teams in the NFL with names that start with C's. I just thought that was weird. Like, the Jags have only played half of the C teams. There's still the um, Cowboys, the Cardinals, and the Chiefs. And it makes me wonder, like, has anyone ever played all six teams and one? I don't know, kind of how they have, like, the bird. Um, like, no one's ever beaten all the bird teams in one season. Has anyone ever beat all the C teams? I don't know. 
But I think the Jags actually are going to be able to come out of this on top cover and win. I'm a bit worried about the Eagles not scoring in the second half in those back-to-back weeks. And also just they're now the last undefeated team with Miami going down. And that's going to put a bit of a target on their back. Um, make them like, hey, like every team that faces you wants to be the one to beat you first. And I think the Jags might be able to use that a bit to their advantage and the Eagles might get in their own head a tiny bit. Then we have the Commanders at the Cowboys. Cowboys being three and a half point favorites. Um, The Commanders line was just ripped to shreds by the Eagles. So can they recoup against the Cowboys who destroyed the Giants line last week with Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, and Dorrance Armstrong? Well, Dak Prescott and Michael Gallup play. Um, Right now it's looking like a yes. Gallup was a full participant, so I believe he should be good to go. But Prescott, he's still not practicing, so that's kind of like, are we going to see another Cooper Rush game? I actually think we will see a Cooper Rush game but also a Michael Gallup game. How will that affect the offense? Will it help it click a tiny bit more? And even with Rush, do the Cowboys have the better quarterback? Um, to be fair, to be fair, Wentz was under fire the entire time last week, but this offense did only manage to put six points on the board, and I haven't been overly impressed with the season so far for the Commanders. Um, I do think the Cowboys are able to cover this three-and-a-half-point spread and win. So then we have the Seahawks at the Lions, Lions being four-point favorites. The Lions were victims to a double-digit blown lead last week. So will Dan Campbell be able to use that to feed us something to build upon, or is that kind of like the air being let out of the balloon here on the Lions hype? Then Geno Smith was a lot more aggressive last week for the Seahawks, leading to more scoring but also more turnovers, or at least like turnover-worthy plays. I think he only had one actual interception. Um, is this going to be the new norm for Geno in this offense, or is Pete Carroll going to be like, okay, we lost that game, let's kind of like reel it in and be more conservative? And lastly, for the Lions again, Jeff Okuda has been absolutely locked down. Um, is he going to continue going against another good pair of wide receivers in DK Metcalf? and Tyler Lockett so he can continue his breakout season. I kind of think he does and that the Lions will be able to cover this four-point spread and win. Then we have the Jets at the Steelers, the Steelers being three-point favorites. Uh, Zach Wilson is back this week, so how does he look? Does his ceiling elevate this offense or does his risky style of play bite them in the butt and lack of experience cost this team a pretty winnable game? Because Mitch Trubisky for the Steelers, he's still holding on to the job and likely will for the next couple of weeks. So can he move the ball and show why Tomlin has this faith in him? Or are people going to still be clamoring for um, Kenny Pickett after this game? Then lastly, the Steelers defense has not been as effective without J. Watt. They're still good, but not like a game-winning force with a great pass rush and an all-right secondary. Now it's just like an all-right se- pass rush, all-right secondary. And I think the Jets offense can take advantage of this. Um, I'm a believer in Zach Wilson still. He just showed so much promise. And after a year in the system, hopefully, like, I don't know, I'm not confident in this, but I'm deciding to put my eggs in the basket of Zach Wilson being good. Because if he's good, they're going to cover this. But if he's not, they might get blown out. So we'll have to see. But I have the Jets covering and winning. Then we have the Browns, only one-point favorites going to face the Falcons. Uh, the Browns have looked pretty good offensively. That's why I'm kind of surprised. Like The only one-point favorites when this offense with Jacoby Brissett at the helm has been so effective, running the ball, Brissett being a great distributor of the football, being super accurate, creating outside the pocket too. Um, are they going to be able to continue against Atlanta, who doesn't have good defense? Like I, I would assume so. Um, Cordero Patterson, though, for Atlanta, he's playing like a top back in the league. But the Browns do have a pretty good defense, so 
how's that going to match? How's that matchup going to turn out? There are some injuries stacking up for the Browns, like Anthony Walker, and then JOK is also questionable. I saw, so can Patterson really just like continue building off this early season success at like thirty-one years old? It's pretty awesome to see, and. Also, with the Falcons' offense, will they use their stud young weapons in Kyle Pitts and Drake London? Um, especially with the injuries at linebacker for the Browns, these plays could have huge games over the middle of the field, and it's just whether or not they, this offense designs both of them to be used. Because so far, we've seen Drake London be heavily featured, and then Pitts only get featured in one game. Are they both going to get featured again here? We'll have to see. Um, I do think that the Browns cover and win, though. Then we have the Bears at the Giants, the Giants being three-point favorites here. It doesn't look like the Bears are going to trust Justin Fields this season, but their ground game has been very, very good so far. So can they ride those coattails again to a victory over the Giants? Um, and then for the Giants side, they can't trust their passing attack either. But I think that's more so due to a lack of pass protection and pass catchers than due to Daniel Jones. Like, of course, if they had a high-end quarterback, then those factors would be less of a problem. But I still think Daniel Jones is a competent enough quarterback. It's just not competent enough surrounding core for him to be good. Um, I'm looking at this being like a low-scoring game and one that like Saquon is going to be heavily um, featured in tonight. And then lastly, the Giants line played pretty terribly last week and the Bears have a pretty decent pass rush going with um, Quinn, Muhammad, Robinson, and Gibson all getting after the quarterback so far. So I think we might be seeing Daniel Jones running for his life for a second week in a row and I actually have the Bears covering this three-point spread and winning the game. Then we have the Titans at the Colts, the Colts being three and a half point favorites here. Both of these teams got their first wins last week but they did so in very uninspiring ways and will the victor of this game look good and be like okay like yeah we, we can see them winning the AFC South or is it just gonna be like okay this was like the less bad team between the two like you know there's major difference in those two outcomes. Um, Derek Henry from the Titans, is he going to build off of his success from last week? He looked restored and looked like his old self running hard, hitting the holes that the offensive line was creating. Or is he actually back or is he just like, was that just a result of playing the Raiders? Then lastly, I still don't have faith in this Colts offense, but the Titans defense is already dealing with a lot of injuries. So can the Colts get back on track this week? Um, I honestly think no. I think the Titans are going to be able to cover this three and a half point spread and be the winners. Then we have the Chargers uh, as five point favorites going on to face the Texans. The Chargers got blown out last week and they got blown out last year by the Texans when they played. So this is like a major bounce back opportunity for the squad as a whole. Or it, this is also a major opportunity for them to fold under the pressure. So will their Chargers be able to overcome all the injuries that are stacking up for them already? Um, Herbert is hurt, but playing. Allen, he's coming off a hamstring injury. Guyton, their only speed guy, is out for the season. Um, Slater is being out. Going from Slater to Storm Norton has to be the worst like downgrade in NFL history. He has what was it? He has three times the amount of pressures, but like a third of the snaps. It's something crazy like that. He's giving up like a pressure rate nine times higher than Slater, who's been phenomenal. Um, yeah, that that's going to be a problem for an injured Justin Herbert playing behind that offensive line, especially because Lindsley has been struggling to stay healthy. I don't think he's going to be playing in this game again. Um, Bosa is on the IR. JC Jackson has been playing through injuries like 
I'm really glad I'm not a Chargers fan because I'd be so sad because I'm probably missing a couple more guys who are already injured, and that's just that's just not fair. They're such a talented team, and you want to see in the NFL the best thing that can happen, even if like the Chargers are my rival team, but I want their guys to be healthy because that's going to produce the best football, produce it to get best games. The best team's going to win, which is what I want. I want to have fun um, games that, like, the best of the best playing against each other and not their backups, you know? Just so, so terrible blows, terrible luck for the Chargers so far. And lastly, the Texans are one of two teams without a win, but at least they have a tie. Um, now they're hosting an injury-riddled team who just got blown out by one of the Texans' rivals. So this honestly feels like a really winnable game for them. Can Levy Smith like express that to this team, get them playing their best, and beat the Chargers like... On paper, I think the Chargers are the better team. They're the more talented team. But I think Lovey Smith might be able to outcoach Brandon Staley and let the Texans cover and win. Then we have the Cardinals at the Panthers. Panthers being one and a half point favorites. Um, the Panthers won last week, but their offense didn't play well. The Cardinals probably have the worst defense in the league, though. So, or at least the worst defense out of the ones that they faced so far. So, are they going to be able to move the ball a bit more this week? And then the Cardinals are one play away from being 0-3, and now they're underdogs to the Panthers. This offense has been really stagnant outside garbage time and in the fourth quarter versus the Raiders, and this defense has bounced back nicely since week one, but now it's like maybe average at best. Um, this matchup between the coaches is one of the ugliest you'll see. Two guys on burning hot seats who really need to start winning games if they want to keep their jobs and to also keep their seasons alive. Both of these teams are talented enough, I think, to make the wildcard berths, at least in the NFC. So who's going to step it up this game? This might have some major playoff implications for the seventh seed. Or also, it might just be Kyler being able to will this team to a win, despite Cliff Kingsbury. Um, whether it's Kyler or Kingsbury, though, I do think that the Cardinals will be able to cover and win this game. Then we have the Patriots at Packers, Packers being nine-point favorites. This Packers offense stalled after looking great for a majority of the first three drives last week. Um, Romeo Dobbs had a breakout game, so can that all continue for the Packers? And can they manage some like competent offense now? Or is this a team that went to like just clock control defense and putting up like 14 to 20 points a game? Mac Jones is barely able to put up any points for the Patriots, and I have almost no faith that Brian Horner is going to be able to do better than what Mac Jones was doing. So I, I just don't really see the Patriots putting up a bunch of points at all. But Devontae Parker did have a bit of a breakout game last week. Will he be able to help Horner, um, especially if Jair Alexander is unable to play? Like there's some he's questionable right now. Was um, got injured last week, so if Devontae Parker is able to play and Jair isn't. Um, Barker really excels at contested catch situations, which really help out backups who don't have that same chemistry with their receivers. So they just know, okay, I can chuck it up to this guy. And more than likely, he's going to catch a, at least like maybe like 60% of the time. Um, I do still have the Packers covering and winning. This was tough because I think the Packers will win this pretty handedly, but that nine point spread is kind of iffy for me. Um, because I don't think that this will be a very high-scoring game. So I could see it where it's like, oh, yeah, the Packers, they're just like in the lead the whole time. It's like pretty obvious they're going to win, but the Packers just don't put up enough points to take that nine points. I don't know. We'll see. Um, next up, we have the Broncos at the Raiders. Raiders being two-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, 
This AFC West was supposed to be a powerhouse, but the Chargers are in injury hell, and these two teams are just in hell. Um, However, facing each other, I feel like one of them will be able to right the ship, and this could have big implications down the line. Um, Recently, though, the Raiders have had the Broncos numbers, with the Raiders winning six of the last seven, including the last four matchups. But now there's two new head coaches, and this is a revenge game for Josh McDaniels. Is it going to be more of the same for the Raiders, or will it be the Broncos the one turning tides? We'll have to see with that. Both of these offenses have been really disappointing so far, but the Broncos' defense has held its end of the bargain so far this season, while the Raiders' defense has shown some cracks. Can the Broncos' offense take advantage of that and put up some big points, or will the Raiders find the holes in the Broncos' defense, especially Josh Jacobs, who seems to always have success against these Broncos? Um, I hate to do this, but um, taking the Raiders to cover and win, it's just tough to see them losing another game. They're going to be at home. They had... If they can stay aggressive in this game, I think that home field advantage really did help them out this last time. And with Josh Jacobs' ability to just go off against the Broncos almost every single time, I think that's going to help them lead the clock a bit better in the second half when they do go conservative and help them get their first one of the season and get finally back on track. Then we have the Chiefs at the Bucks. Bucks being one-point favorites. The Chiefs' offense has looked pretty average so far after starting off on fire against the Cardinals, and now they're facing one of the league's best defenses. Uh, so unless they recapture that like first-game magic, I question whether they'll be able to find much offensive success this game. Tom Brady, after a loss, is normally unstoppable too, but he doesn't seem like the same Brady this year. Godwin and Jones are questionable, but Evans should be back coming back off of his suspension. Um, this offense should be a bit better for the Buccaneers this week because of that, but we'll definitely have to see. It would would be nice to get both Godwin and Jones back, but that is still up in the air. And then lastly, I think Chris Jones can annihilate this Bucs um, interior line. Rookie Luka Taiki hasn't been anything special for the Buccaneers so far, and Chris Jones has been playing at an all-pro level, so I could see him having his way with him, uh, making Brady suffer under interior pressure. That's the best way to get to Brady and not mobile quarterback, because he's not as comfortable rolling out as these mobile guys are, so you want to get that interior pressure on him. However, I think the Buccaneers will do just enough to cover and win this game. Um, both Brady and Mahomes are good after losses, but... Brady is just next level in that aspect. And then for Monday night, we have the Rams at the Niners. The Niners actually being one and a half point favorites. Um, okay, surprised that the Niners are favorites after that atrocious performance last week. Um, they do typically have their way against Sean McVay's Rams, so I feel like that's probably a bit what's going into it. And the Rams defense hasn't looked quite the same this year, so maybe Jimmy G can get back on track. I don't know. Um, maybe these offensive stars for the Niners can ter- carry Jimmy G, Kittle, Debo, and Ayuk all have potential to be game winners, but they are dependent on Jimmy G getting them the ball. Will he be able to this game, or are we going to see the same Jimmy as last week and he's going to run out of the end zone or throw a pick six or something? This Rams offense hasn't looked quite right either, though, with Cup really being the only reliable player so far, and this offensive line being a lot worse than they were last year. And now they have to go against a great defense led by Nick Bosa. I could definitely see this being a really low-scoring game, and I think that because of that, the Niners are going to find a way to like get like a last-second field goal, squeak out, cover, and win. All right, so that's going to do it for today's episode. Let me know what your picks are below in the comments. If you're on YouTube, leave a like, subscribe, 
And if you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you might be finding this, leave a five-star review. Go tell your friends. Help spread the word. And yeah, see you all next time.